Hi again, everyone. Welcome to episode 70 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. I'm Tim, along with Anthony, as we continue along this summer time of uh, sports. And it is actually summer, so that yes. makes me happy. I think we had our first day of summer today. We bypassed spring for the wet season. Yep. We didn't have spring. My garden was drowned. Yeah. So I No, I'm serious. I have like two plants. I had like 10 plants, oh. maybe 12 plants planted. I have like two tomato plants that are surviving and maybe two pepper plants. That's it. The rest of them are drowned. That's a totally different mm-hmm. story, but that's how much rain we've had in the last uh, I don't know, two, three months. It's been ridiculous. It's uh, been absolutely nuts. And the most amazing thing about that is the Cleveland Indians have avoided the rains uh, and, and not had a rain out in there that entire time or had like one and made it up the next day against Atlanta back in the, what, in April? Back in April, yeah. April. It's, it's amazing that with this weird it, – it's like they say, if you don't like the weather northeast Ohio stay for five minutes and you'll see something totally different. It's – you know, it's funny. The last time you and I recorded, it was barely getting to 55 degrees. Yeah. I mean, it was struggling to get there. And it was 85 today. Yeah. And humid. I mean, it was humid, too. It's, you know, like you said, the Indians have been very lucky weather-wise outside of, what, one rain out. And, you know, they played, you know, they played a handful of times through the rain. But they've only had, like, two or three rain delays too. They've been very long ones, but, but they've, you know, for the most part, they've dodged the rain. Thankfully, I think Kansas city's got like, like five, five double headers yeah. a second half yeah. of the year. Something, I mean, Something completely like nuts. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, these for sure have gotten lucky in terms of mother nature lately. Yeah. They've gotten the games in. There's been some wrong, long rain delays in the mm-hmm. process, but they've, I think they've had one or two shortened games, and um, yeah. they've yep. been uh, very fortunate to get them all in. Uh, like you said, they could be uh, facing a bunch of uh, double headers, which is traditional for the Indian yep. uh, rainout-wise. Uh, to be at the end of June and not to have them, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. It's it, a good it, thing for days off and rest. Yeah. And Got some interesting uh, stuff to talk about the Indians, but uh, let's talk about you for a second. Yes. And, um, everyone knows you have Indian tickets this uh, yes. last couple of years. Season. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the All-Star Game's coming up. And uh, my question to you is, did you get offered tickets? Did you win a lottery? Did you have to <laughs> buy them ahead of time? What was the process for these, the, the All-Star Game? Well, it, you know, it all started when I renewed the tickets uh, back in, oh, boy, October of last year. So we got we went through the whole process of, you know, opening day, we got opening day. And then, you know, about April, May, they, you know, it came out. Season ticket holders can buy what they termed it, discounted rates for all all-star events. Awesome. Great. You know, we're thinking, hey, we can, we have a chance to see the Midsummer Classic here in Cleveland and, you know, get to experience something that we probably won't see for another 20 years, you know, like you know, 20, right. 25 years. It's, you know, it, and so we're all excited. We're ready to go. We're thinking, wow, we're going to, you know, it's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool perk until they said the discounted rate was 800 bucks. 
Now, that was not just for the game. That was for no, all the activities. It included uh, the Futures game, the Home Run Derby. Uh, I think they might have thrown in the Legends of Celebrity softball game and the All-Star game, of course. But you weren't guaranteed your normal seats. So, I mean, you know, that's 800 per ticket. You break it down. I mean. Still $200 a ticket. Yeah, it's still $200 <laughs> a ticket for each. And I just can't justify spending 200 bucks on a glorified minor league game for the Futures game, which is great. There are a lot of top prospects. But, you know, and then 200 bucks for a home run derby. I mean, I've never really gotten into it. So it's – and then the All-Star game, look, I'd rather save that money and spend it on postseason tickets if that were to arise. And, you know, like we were talking about off the air, that's – you know, the game's at 8 o'clock – the parking's probably going to be 50 to a hundred bucks. You know, they're going to triple the rates and you also got to factor in the games at eight o'clock and you got to leave. You probably got to take a half day off work, you know, just to get a parking spot. So, and then you think, well, the game's three and a half hours, the pomp and circumstance, you probably have to take Wednesday off also. And well, there's a day and a half vacation blown right there for, you know, it, it just wasn't worthwhile, so we're going to pocket the uh, $1,600 combined, and we're going to suffer through Joe Buck on Fox, and uh, we're going to uh, – we will uh, watch the All-Star game and all the other festivities on TV this year. Um, you know, it would have been kind of cool to go up to the game, but like we were talking about, it just – it's not feasible for the average fan like ourselves. It's – more geared towards the uh, the higher ups and the corporations who can spend that much money. So, yes, I mean sports has turned to a corporate outing. So it has, yeah, it, it really has, has uh, over the years, and and it had gotten more and more. Um, I'm 52. I've documented that many times. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, 1981 was a strike, and the All Star Game in Cleveland at the old stadium. At the, you know, on the lakefront, and uh, they got like seventy-five thousand people there, maybe eighty thousand people mm-hmm. there uh, for that game. It was the first game back after the long break. Started the mm-hmm. second half of the season when they had the two halves. Uh, if you remember, uh, well, you wouldn't remember. You probably no. read about it. No. Uh, so that was the first time I've ever seen a a uh, game in Cleveland for the All Star Game. I believe there was one in the '60s also. Um, and maybe one in the fifties. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, you just have to search that on Google and we'll find out, but it's not mm-hmm. that important. Uh, then of course, everyone remembers the 97, uh, yes. where Alomar hits the home run to win the game. And that was at, uh, then the formerly, the place formerly known as Jacobs field. And yes, and we have the, um, renovated new uh, progressive field now with a smaller capacity and uh, the big long bar and right field. So, uh, you know, this is a third generation of it, but you're right. It's about every 20 years or so mm-hmm. uh, that you get an all-star game. And that makes sense. I mean, there's yeah. 30 teams. So it may be every 25 to 30 years now, depending on scenarios and what happens. And quite honest with you, the, you know, if there was not a renovation in Cleveland, they probably wouldn't get it. Just like the, they're going to get the all-star game 
in uh, what, a couple years or two, three years for the NBA because they renovated. Yeah, 2021, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, 21, 22, something like that. I forget the exact date. Yeah. yeah, I forget the exact date. I'm not too concerned about that one either. Uh, no. No, I mean, they're fun. Don't get me wrong. I yeah, They're fun, but I love it. I love the whole thing. I think actually of all the activities that are going on, the game that really intrigues me the most, that if I had the opportunity to go and I was going to spend that type of money, I agree with you, but I would go see the Futures game. To me, that is really the game that showcases the sport because it's the USA versus the world type um, scenario and – you also have all these young potential all-stars and major leaguers making their way up. Uh, you know, I think Frankie Lindor played in a few years back. Yeah. He was still in the minor leagues and others, you know, for the Indians coming up. So I think that's, you know, to me, that is one of the best uh, parts of this uh, upcoming weekend, the all-star break, you know, when you get to it on, you know, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And uh, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, as a fan, I'm going to watch it all uh, on TV, on the ESPN and the Fox coverage. Uh, you know, it's just, like you said, the pomp and circumstances of it all and mm-hmm. the cheer. Uh, by the way, did you get your votes in for Carlos Santana in the last 48 hours? I did not vote for the All-Stars again this year. This is, I probably haven't voted for the All-Stars in, God, 20 years. I didn't even know what time it was. I just <laughs> well, I they changed it this year the way yeah, they did it. Yeah, this is the first this, year they, this, they they did it differently. Instead of just total votes, and they announced you know like uh, last let's say a week before the game who who won at each position, they actually cut it off. I want to say three days ago, and then mm-hmm. the top three from each position went back on a ballot where you can vote for one of those three to start. The only Cleveland Indian who qualified was Carlos Santana. Yep. And last I heard, he was leading the vote total. Yeah, and this was, was about an hour left in voting. He was up almost 150,000 votes or more. So. Yeah, he was winning pretty big. So it looks like he will start, which is great uh, for, for the Indians and uh, for the All-Star game. And deservingly so. Uh, when you look at what he has done this year, uh, surprised both of us because we – has- I, I went with the – I never would have imagined this. Well, yeah, I went completely with uh, the track record of his past, saying uh, April and May will be a struggle, and then June and July he'll get better. And uh, somehow that uh, has fell on our man at second base, uh, Jason Kipnis, as he's starting to uh, hit the ball again. Uh, so uh, he struggled for the first two and a half months. In the last uh, about three weeks, he's headed the ball. Maybe it'll last – Two weeks, but it's interesting to say. I'm just saying that scenario that we predicted would happen with uh, yeah. Santana it actually happened to Kipnis this year. Yeah, it's. I remember that conversation we had vividly. It was March, right before the season began, and we said, "Well, Santana won't hit. He'll maybe have two or three hits, and we'll go into June, and then all of a sudden he'll perk back up." And you look up at the end of the year, more walks and strikeouts like he usually does, and um, you'll get to 240, 250, and you know, he'll have 20, 25 home runs. And it's he's a whole new player. He, he is a completely new player from what we remember, even last year when he was with the Phillies and Mariners to now. It's yeah, uh, 
a lot of fun to watch. It's, uh, it's, you know, the. I think we're seeing almost, a mature player. Uh, I completely agree. Right. What the defense gives them. Um, obviously, if you hit it over this fence, it doesn't matter what position they're in. Nope. They can't play it. And he's done that like 18, 19 times so far this year. And uh, he's got like 50 RBIs, I believe, and batting to 280, 285. 290, I believe he's up to now. Now 290, yeah. I mean, just really uh, – I mean, when you look at an all-star, the only other – well, there's two other positions I think have an opportunity, everyday players, to make the all-star game for the Indians. Obviously, you know, there's got to be – there's no way in, in God's creation baseball's not going to let Frankie Lindor not be an all-star in Cleveland. Yeah, he'll be a reserve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he'll make the team. I cannot imagine that not happening. And the other one I would make a case for as a backup is uh, Roberto Perez. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> and then when you look at the pitching staff uh, – Hands, obviously. Hands will be there. Exactly. And maybe Bieber, maybe. I'm not yeah. saying 100%. I'm just saying maybe. I doubt it because he's young still. But that's about it. You know, I'm thinking you may get two for sure. I think you're going to get, you know, obviously you're going to get Santana. And I, I'll be shocked if Lindor doesn't make the team. And I expect him to. And then on the third catcher scenario, I think it could be Perez because it's at Cleveland. He's having a great year. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I think it's, you know, uh, the only way that I, I see Lindor not making it is because he was hurt the first month or so of the year. But I still don't think that will keep him out. That's like you said, it would be an absolute be a tragedy. It really would be. It would just be wrong. Absolutely. In Cleveland, uh, you know, one of the most dynamic players in the game. The face of the franchise. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He, he asked. You know, yeah, yeah, it, it would go totally against what Rob Manford of Major League Baseball was trying to do in marketing against young stars. Um, it would go totally against what they have been saying. So, I agree with you. I think Santana guaranteed, obviously, uh, hand guaranteed. Um, and then after that, Lindor, so you probably have three. All right, here it is. It officially just came it's across. Official. It's official. Uh, Santana will be your starting first baseman for the American League. It just came across. And uh, so yeah. there we go. If you would have told me that in March, I would have called you nuts. At, at 7.20 p.m. here on the 27th of uh, June in 2019, Carlos Santana is your starting first baseman for the American League. And I would have called you absolutely nuts if you told me that in March. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no way. Nope. If you told me he'd make the all-star team, I said, it's possible he would be a reserve. Reserve. Mm -hmm. And make it. I said, I wouldn't count on it, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't make that bet. It tells you how good of a gambler I am. (laughs) Um, I don't think anybody would have taken that bet. Yeah. If they did, congratulations. They nice odds. Yeah, yeah, they would have nice odds. Yeah, congratulations. I don't know if that – I'm sure somebody's big board has goofy bets like that, but, you know, some type of prop bet. But uh, Speaking of which, I have not contacted Ed uh, Milner yet, and I will. It's just I've been absolutely inundated with work, and I had a few issues around uh, personal issues I had to take care of. But – he is still on the agenda. He did say yes. It's just a matter of me reconnecting with him to get him coming on. 
like I've mentioned before, if you have not read any of his books, probably because you're not a poker player. Uh, but mm-hmm. he really rolls out a great poker uh, books, different theories, different beliefs, different type of things and strategies throughout the years. And he wrote a great book uh, that I've been reading called The Logic of Sports Betting. And it's not about how sports betting, how to win. It's how sports betting works and how to give yourself the best edge and look for those things uh, going forward. So a little plug to uh, Ed Miller, who uh, uh, we hope to have on the podcast very soon. And uh, I'm going to try to really follow that up here in the next week or two and see if we can get uh, him to come on. Anthony, I want to get back to the all-star yeah. game in baseball, but more, I want to talk about this issue. Uh, cause you go to the games, you have yeah. some tickets Yep. and, um, this issue has been talked about a lot. Well, I think it's been not talking about enough and it's an issue that maybe some people have talked about, but I don't know how many, cause I don't listen to sports talk radio that often. Uh, lazy radio, right? Yeah. That's the main reason why I don't do it. Uh, netting at the ball game. Yes. Uh, the Chicago White Sox have announced that they're standing netting all the way down to the foul pole. Yep. I want to say the Dodgers the, are doing the Dodgers it. Dodgers and the Nationals are the and three the teams. Astros. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, where do you sit at the game? We are, if you're, we're First probably base, third base side or third base side, probably a section right path where the netting ends. Okay. But we have sat multiple times behind the netting. All right. Now, here's my question to you. If the Indians, after the All-Star game, announced that they're extending the netting all the way down to the foul pole, how upset or relieved would you be as a season ticket holder? I would have no problem with that. I'm all for it. I, anybody that says the netting obstructs your view or blocks your view, I disagree. I, I think, you know, fans like myself and the people that go to the games and sit there probably a right after warm-ups you you totally forget the nets there you don't you're not even thinking you know oh my god the net the net you know because it's not blocking you it's not um anything to make the game major league baseball and baseball as in general probably has the the oldest average age per fan and what baseball is trying to do in more recent years with all their new initiatives is to draw to the younger crowd. And the way you can do that is when you were a kid, when I was a kid, it was so cool to sit right by the field. It is, you know, it is, you're like an awe, like first you're an awe going to the ballpark. And then you're like, I'm from like myself to the wall of, your heroes, your idols, the guys you want to grow up and be. Um, it, it is, you know, and I think you would have more parents and more fans who bring younger kids with them to the games willing to sit there because the netting's there. They know the protective netting is there. Um, and, and I think one incident is too many. Uh, you read a couple of days ago, that the family, the daughter, the girl struck at the Astros game, uh, two years old, suffered seizures and a stroke, I believe. Seizures, you know, it's and unfortunately, her life's never going to be the same. Uh, and, and that's, it's too young. It's 
we shouldn't have to deal with this. We should a baseball game should be fun to go to. It should be fun to enjoy. It should be fun from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk out. It's you know, um, and we shouldn't have to worry about a foul ball getting struck. And there are plenty of times to get souvenirs. So I am all for the netting down to the foul lines. I think within two years, I'll be shocked if the netting is not completely. Dead. I think it'll be next year personally. And I, I really and do. I think it would not shock me. I won't be surprised if at least 10 teams by the end of this season has I completely it. agree. And completely it will agree. then escalate to the entire league. Because they extended netting last year. Yes. From, from, this, or from the previous season to this season. Let me yes. rephrase that. They extended netting this past year. Farther and most ballparks, I think all of them did some all, type of. Extension. All of them have it down at the end of the dugout. Yes. Yes, and it is going to, you know, like you said, uh, I'm not worried about. The, I mean, no. Let me rephrase this. I'm not. I I agree with you. I don't think it's a problem watching the game and all no. that. And for those fans who want to catch a foul ball, you're still going to have an opportunity. This they'll make it yeah, available you to you. It's just not going to be, you know, what you're protecting is against those line drives that you were yeah. talking about. They come off the bat 100 miles an hour. pop up over the netting, I'm sure it can still land into this thing. Yes. And quite yes. honest with you, I'm not worried about getting a $10 souvenir baseball. Uh, oh. Is uh, someone getting no. smacked in the face with a 95 to 110 mile per hour baseball off of a bat. And it's just, you know, that's what you're facing. And, uh you know, safety matters, and I'm glad to see exactly. that the uh, the White Sox, the Dodgers, and the Astros are taking that step. I believe and the Nationals are. The Nationals may be, too. They're, I believe I saw last night where, where the Nationals are. It needs to happen. I mean, I hope, you know, I honestly think uh, just because of the All-Star game and other considerations, you know, that I'm not privy to, that the yeah. Indians cannot do it immediately. They'll probably wait until, if they do, during a season, it will probably happen after the All-Star game. Um, you know, Tim, it, and I'm not saying it can't happen tomorrow. I just don't expect it to happen until after the All-Star game. No, and it wouldn't shock me if – well, I would say this. It would, it would blow me away if every Major League Baseball front office and stadium director personnel – have not discussed netting all the way down to the foul pole as soon as the incident in Houston occurred. Well, I think it's happened. I think that discussion has been going on for the last few years. It's just been reluctancy to uh, sell the the netting to the, look. I'll say com, to the communities, you know, and to the fans. And now that we've seen, I want to say three, three or four, three or four this year, this season, and in the last month, not I mean concurrently, almost every week we've had this type of a scenario happen where someone's got hurt and to make matters even more dangerous there's more distraction at a ball game today exactly than there ever was in the past exactly we all do it i know i do it throughout the day as i check my phone a hundred times yep and uh just like we talked about with uh, santana making the all-star game that was me checking yep. my phone just coming across and well, I'll do it. And here's the thing. It's, it's become a habit in the last 10 years. We, and I'm not saying everybody got hit by a foul ball might have been distracted. But you hear about distracted driving. This is the same type of theory in my mind. Exactly. At, at a ball game. 
Tim, and you're exactly right. It and could be you looking away because you have a guy coming down yelling peanuts or Coke or beer, you know, a vendor talking about it. And you look away, me, and here comes the ball. There's just a lot of distraction. It could be that you see the mascot coming over, and you have a young kid, you know, and they're going to get excited because there's slider or there's the hot dog and the mustard or whatever yep. else is in yep. the stands at the time. There's a lot more distraction. It's family oriented and yes. some of its personal distractions, but I believe there's more distractions today and less eyes on the field on a consistent basis than what you used to have in the past. Tim, and that is the change the fans' interest in the game. It's just the fans' attention span, in my opinion in 2019 is not the same as it was in 1977. No, it's not. It's it's just because technology and things have changed and ballparks have changed. They've gone to the retro style in the last 25 years with, you know, Jacobs field and Camden Mm -hmm. yards and, and PNC park in, in Pittsburgh, you're closer to the action than you were at the old stadium. And, you know, you look at the difference where the seat sits at Oakland Coliseum, Versus where the seat sits at the Cleveland, you know, yep. uh, progressive field, it's totally different, and and that's what we're talking about. I mean, is the game has changed, and with change comes you know more risk sometimes, and now it's time to alleviate some of that that risk by putting up more netting, and I hope it does happen. And as an as a baseball fan, it's going to happen, and I'm not worried about a ten dollar baseball souvenir yes it's fun to, to go after a yeah. five ball uh, yes it's fun when a player shares a ball and throws it into yeah. the stands and uh yes you love to get them signed after the game or the next time you come to the ballpark or during batting practice or whatever the case may be however uh i think in the long run uh, netting needs to happen it needs to happen and uh i'm hoping cleveland does it as soon as possible and I'm imagining the reason why they haven't done it now is because the all-star game coming up and ever, all the preparations for that, they're not going to really get into that, even though probably the perfect place to display it would be that game. But we have a lot of time between uh, now and that game for those who are running the uh, progressive field to make that decision. Yep. Tim, you brought up a great point. And re- and it brings me back to a research paper that I wrote in graduate school. Um, and it was centered around how Major League Baseball can attract the younger generation. And like you said, what we all do hundreds of times a day, we check our phone. We just check it now. We, you know, we're constantly checking you and I are to give updates or stuff during the podcast. Um, and the in-game, you know, you know, tribe social media, it's – it's all geared towards, you know, social media and getting fans to use their phone and on these apps during the game to interact with, you know, if I'm at a game, I can tweet Jensen Lewis. Jensen, you know, I saw this, you know, from my perspective here in section, you know, it, it is. And like you said, you got all these vendors. There's vendors at the Indians game who runs up and down the section screaming, margarita and beer and you know and we all do it we all look away and he's not going to stop when the game's going on and at any moment 
with the progression of these athletes who have gotten bigger, faster, and stronger in just the last 10 years alone, these balls are coming off at an average 100 miles an hour off the bat. It can be, yeah. It is time. Look, if they put the netting all the way around, it's not going to stop me from going to the games. If they put netting up, it's not going to stop myself, my aunt, a lot of people from going to the game because we still love the team. We still love the game of baseball. It's not changing the game of baseball anyway. It's just making the game a safer, more enjoyable atmosphere. And like you said, it is meant to be a family atmosphere, and they do so many things in-game that this would add to it. And there are, and the people that say, oh, well, you won't be able to get foul balls. You won't be to, you know, you won't be able to get – you can always work – around the logistics of, well, you can go to this section to get autographs. There are always ways to get the autograph from the players. Players will, will still interact with the fans, like you said. It will just eliminate, you know, the chance the tragedy. of yeah. Someone's uh, gonna a die. tragedy. Exactly. Someone, and then we see our own backyard here in Morning Valley. You know, exactly. It happened in hockey, oh, God, 25 years ago when the Columbus team first opened. Yep. There was a puck that inadvertently got, you know, went into the stands and struck a young fan, and she died, I believe. Yep. And it was a horrible, horrible and story. You saw the way these players and react. That's when they, yeah, and they immediately changed everything and put more netting up and everything. Yep. And you look exactly at what has transpired in the last month. There's just, why take the risk? Why put your organization, your team, your liabilities at risk for something that could be prevented. And let's hope that Major League Baseball in general across the board makes that decision to say, you know what, uh, let's save a life. Let's prevent this tragedy from ever happening. I'd rather be proactive than reactive. They need to be reactive exactly. of what has transpired in the last month, but they got to be proactive to prevent anybody from ever losing their lives at a baseball game because the ball came off the bat at 110 miles per hour and, and literally, you know, hit someone in a temple and they lost their lives. So let's be honest. It can happen. And it has happened on the baseball field, you know, back in 1920s where the Indians, you know, Chapman lost his life because the ball was, you know, yep. got hit in the head before there was helmets and stuff like that. And look, one thing we, we got to remember, too, is uh, inadvertently or, or on purpose, the ball's different in the last couple of years. Completely it different. It comes off the bat faster. Completely different. And, and, and it flies harder and faster than ever before. So if you're willing to take that chance, or Major League Baseball, if they did it on purpose or if it was just a manufacturer-type scenario that's causing all these home runs that are happening, uh, without people, quote, unquote, on juice, um, nope. then you have to protect yourselves and protect the fans uh, with netting. And uh, it's just something I've been hearing about in the last few weeks because of what has transpired. And I don't know if anyone's really talking about it, but it needs to be brought up. And I hope uh, the Indians, would Pirates, and the rest of Major League Baseball uh, follow suit of what uh, these teams who have already announced they're extending netting down to the foul pole. And I hope it happens soon because uh, let's, let's prevent 
a uh, tragedy before it happens. It can easily be done in, in you know, when the Indians go on a, on a road trip. It's, you know, yeah. we've seen how fast these teams have done it in season. And I, and I would not be surprised um, if uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred mandates that all teams must do it by the end of the season. Uh, I don't think he'll ever mandate it. No? No. I think it would have been done. I think he strongly suggests it. Uh, I think there's no question where he stands on the issue. Uh, it's up to ownership. This is a, each individual. I've heard him speak about it too many times mm-hmm. where he says it's up to each individual team and ownership and organization to figure out what is best for them. Uh, he recommends extending the netting, uh, but he can't force somebody who owns a team to make yeah. that decision. It's up to each individual you know, team. I do believe the pressure is going to be on as more teams add netting yes. to the foul pools, and I hope it happens. And uh, just an issue that has come up that I thought deserves some time and some thoughts. And uh, get back to real baseball here for a second. Yes. Uh, I don't want to warn it. I don't want to ignite a fire here, but the Indians are playing better baseball. And, uh, oh, my God, it's the end of June. I, I just, you know, I just want to put that out there. The world didn't <laughs> fall apart in, in April, May, and most of June. And uh, for the most part, the last three weeks, the hottest team in baseball has been the, uh, the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, it's, uh, I believe going into today, now today's an off day, uh, the Indians do hold the best record in the American League this month. I remember hearing that Wednesday or yesterday, and I'm not sure, you know, where they were. Uh, the last 21 games, they are 15 and 6. Um, and they, and since the, the Yankee game, when the Yankees series started, they were 31 and 31. And now they're 13 and 5. Yeah, thirteen and five. Um, I think they've won eight of nine series. They won a lot of series in a row, except for outside of the split um, with Texas. Uh, you can count Cincinnati as a you know two game series, so a split there. Um, so the offense shows some signs of life, um, and I think it can all go back to now. You don't want this to be the reason why you start playing better, but right around the time that uh, Carrasco announced that he'd be uh, taking a medical leave, uh, there was a players-only meeting, and it seemed to have sparked them. And unfortunately, you don't want that to be the reason why you start playing well, but they – and I wouldn't even go so much to that, but you and I talked about it the last time. When they really started playing well – was when they got their teeth kicked in in Chicago, had the four or five air game and just couldn't throw the ball, couldn't catch it. They did look terribly disinterested. And it was right around that time where the Indians started to break out of it and uh, really started to look good. Um, you know, you're still eight and a half games out in the division, but in three weeks, you've made up three games. So, look, and – Well, let me – Give you this stat from uh, Zach um, Measle, who covers okay. for the Athletic. Um, the Indians' offense before May 14th, they batted 219. Uh, they had a 300 and 343 with 68, and that is 
basically meaning they're 219 on base percentage of 300 and I believe a weighted uh, run scored at 343. Yeah. Uh, since May 14th, the Indians are batting 258, 335, 474 with 108 on the weighted runs um, category plus. And they have, uh, they were striking out at 25.3% in the game uh, before May 14th. They're striking out under 20% now. Yeah. And, uh, they have scored 141 runs per uh, up to May 14th. And six weeks later, they have scored 214 runs in those 40 games. And by the way, on May 14th, the Cleveland Indians added a right-handed stick to their lineup. A rookie named Oscar yep. Mercado. Yep. It's Mercado came into the lineup. Beginning and, of the year. And here's oh, – before we get there any farther, I was going to say you – I. We talked about it early in the season, how they I kept saying they need a right-handed stick. They need a right-handed yep. stick. And I said, Oscar will help. He's not a savior. Obviously, he's helped a lot. Yes. And yeah, he's helped. if you add another right-handed stick the second half of the season before after the trade – right before the trade deadline or now after the All-Star game, like they added Brad Hand last year to the bullpen at the All-Star game, uh, anything's possible. Now, what will it cost and who that player will be, I do not know. And I'm not sure they will do that, but I'm just saying if they add a legitimate right-handed bat who is a professional hitter, who has – know the order. Yeah, who can bat between three, four, five, six. Mm -hmm. uh, that is just going to make this lineup that much better and more potent going into the second half of the season. I'm not saying it's going to happen, Anthony, but if it does happen, mm -hmm. it will be interesting to see where those numbers go from here. And – uh especially the weighted run um, score uh, plus type thing. Uh, that is, uh, I believe that means run scored minus home runs. So the runs you're creating, basically. Runs you're creating, yes. It's and the things that I've noticed. It's actually, the, that is the actual term, weighted runs created plus. Well, the, what I under, my understanding is, this is one of those analytic numbers. Yep. Is that one, I could be wrong here, so if I'm wrong, I apologize, but my understanding that one basically means you take the the solo home runs away from away. the score. The thing that I've – and you and I have talked about this, and it's uh, what Dean said when they did the retooling in the offseason was they wanted to get quicker. They wanted to get younger. They wanted to run the bases better. They wanted to steal more bases, which in turn puts more pressure on the opposition, which means you create runs. Exactly what you're saying right now. The Indians knew going into this year they could not rely on the home run. And Which is unique. Last year, how many times did we say last year the Indians are relying on the home run? That's the only way they're going to score. That's the only way they're going to score. The last two weeks against Detroit, Detroit, Kansas City, um, Texas, they have run teams to death. They've gone first to third. Now, they still – overrun a bag here or there, but they are running first to third on almost anything hit. They're, what, they're going second to home. What you're saying is absolutely correct, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all here. I'm actually going to enforce what you just said. Uh, baseball is 
for the most part today, home run or bust. Yes. In most lineups. And the running game is important, but not emphasized. Where the Indians differ from most teams in Major League Baseball and what they have done since May 14th is hit some home runs. Matter yes. of fact, the game that you've seen Brad Han, uh, unfortunately, give up the home run, the, the grand slam at the end of the game to lose it. They hit, what, four or five solo home runs in that game. And it was that's the way baseball is scored today. Now, what makes the Indians different is just what you said, is this team has the ability to run, steal bases, and go first and third. Yes. It has done it uh, quite often. And the Indians also – course made the big move uh they got rid of one of their 200 hitters this past week and leon yeah. martin has been and designated for assignment and he's no longer part of the indians and well, we'll go from there uh jason kipnis is hitting the ball he found his swing uh ramirez has shown some life in his bat lately especially from the right side so there are some positive signs and uh, all this has happened since the middle of may so, especially in the last two weeks, three weeks for Ramirez and Kipnis, and this is not a big shock to anybody, and we've been saying it all season long, and we'll continue to say it, this team will go as far as certain players take them. Take them, yep. And they need production out of Kipnis. They need production out of Ramirez. If they do not get that, they're going to struggle. Yep. In the last three weeks, for sure, they both have produced. Now, not at all-star levels. Well, Kipnis at all-star levels the last three weeks. Yeah. But we're seeing yeah, life out of Ramirez right. for the first time in, in a long, long time. Well, it, I heard a stat a couple of days ago. From the right side this year, Ramirez is hitting 276. From the left side, he's hitting 176. And if you go back and look, his outs from the right side, he's taking more pitches, he's being patient, and his outs are hard outs. Yeah. And like Jason Kipnis said – what he walked it off sad or Monday. Yeah. He said he can feel comfortable with the outs he's making now because they're good, solid at bats and making good contact. Well, that's what we talked about. It's baseball's about making contact and giving yourself opportunity. Home runs are products of good swings. Rick Manning yep. preaches that each and every game, each and every season. Yep. He's, he's, he's a firm believer. What does he say all the time? No matter who the player is, Home runs are a product of good at-bats, not swinging hard. Uh, there are those who just consistently swing hard and hit home runs like Aaron Judge and others, yep. and, and that's a combination of their physical size and everything else, and I'm not trying to take anything away from their ability because some of them are very good ball players, uh, and others are a product of just getting good swings as much as possible. When you get good swings, good things happen, and – when you have bad swings, kind of like what Ramirez and Kipnis went through at the beginning of the season, there's a product of that. That's why you're yep. batting over 200. That's why you can't get on base. That's why you're grounding out the second base a lot from the left side. Uh, that's why you're not, you know, they, as you mentioned in the past, Ramirez, when he's been on base, has stolen bases and done other things and played good defense for the most part. And Kipnis has played quality defense and has gotten better. And uh, he's getting that chip on his shoulder again. And when he's confident, he's very good. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's, you know, quote, unquote, earning his pay, as a lot of fans like to yeah. say. Yes, he is. About other people's money. And I never, because it doesn't matter to me. But uh, that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, 
uh, you can see this team, why it's been playing better baseball. And more than anything, what I love about watching the Indians, and you mentioned it uh, previously, is watching the, some of the young kids come up and play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's a product of, of Terry Francona and the way he managed and, uh, personalities and people and expectations and putting them in situations to succeed. Uh, you can see why this offseason, Antonetti and Chernoff and Francona and the brain trust of the Indians said, if we're going to make a move for the future and stay uh, Relevant. competitive this year, yep. trading one of our starting pitchers who are our golden guys, meaning our top of the line guys like a Kluber or a Bauer, could be beneficial for us in the long term because of the young arms that they had coming up. I'm not yep. saying that Plesak is Kluber. I'm not saying, you know, Rodriguez is a Carrasco or anything like that. I'm not at all saying what I'm saying is we're seeing the product of a, of a baseball organization that is pitching rich, who are now saying we have young guys who are controllable for the next five to seven years that we can actually get quality production out of and grow with. And if we can move a player of a Bauer or a Kluber, we can get substantial returns for it and still be competitive very soon, or if not, uh, have very small drop-off. And uh, I think we're seeing some of that game planning coming to fruition right now because of the injuries. Because yep. we did lose a Kluber. Not uh, We traded him, but because of the broken arm. We lost Carrasco because you know, of his health scenario. We lost you know, Clevenger twice now to the IL with uh, injuries. And, you know, hopefully he's be back, you know, here in a Friday, couple. Friday, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but we're seeing that. And uh, we're now seeing uh, Bradley up here. And we talked about it. If you bring up, you know, Mark, Mark <coughs> excuse me, you bring up uh, Bradley, you bring up Mercado, you had to play him. They have yep. to play. That way every day. Yeah. have to play. And it'll be interesting to see how the Indians handle because Bradley came up and had the big double opening uh, first yep. at bat, and he's gotten a couple RBIs since, but he also went like one for 12 uh, in his yeah. last series. A lot of strikeouts, yeah. Yeah, and that's what they were concerned about. And it's, it's, it's a long process, but if he's here, he needs to play. And you have, like I mentioned, you have Santana at first. So he's going to DH some, and he's going to play first base. He doesn't play the outfield. No. He's a first baseman. He, you know, if you put him out there, you're putting a very slow guy out there. Good know? luck. Yeah, good yeah, luck. Better off with Bauer. That's why they went out and traded for Bowers, because Bowers can, has the athleticism, they believe, to cover in the outfield at a corner position. And he's done a nice job, and he can play first. So, you know, we're going to see, I think, maybe Santana play a little bit more DH in the second half. Right, yep. And you're going to see Bowers – move in from the outfield to first base late in ball games to give him better defense. But yeah, I think you're, we're going to see Bradley have an opportunity to get a hundred bats or more. You know, they may send him down after the all-star break type scenario. I don't really think so, but I, you know, I have no, it's just, yeah, we have of, no, yeah. I have no idea what their, their plans are, but uh, yeah. Um, it's going to be fun watching some of these young kids come up and play and see how they develop. And, you know, I don't expect rookies to win rookie of the year. 
it's great when they perform at a great level and you get that from them, but I never expect that out of rookies. And no, no. And, and that goes with the pitchers too. I mean, Plesak has been phenomenal. I, I think his record's like three and two, but what he has done every time out is kept you in ball games and give you an opportunity to win. Give you quality starts. And, that's yeah, what you got. And, and, you know, if you listen to the pregame, I don't listen to the full pregame. I always turn it on 10 minutes before the start of the first pitch because that's when Tom yep. Hamilton is talking to, to Tito Francona. And I want to hear what he yep. has to say. And, you know, every time he talks about these young guys, they're unfinished products. You know, he yep. completely nails that every time. You know, you know Plesex, he has a lot of talent, but he's unfinished. Yep. He's learning yep. the pitch. And he's now learning the pitch at the major league level, which is not the AAA level. And he didn't spend much time at the AAA level. And it just shows you talent-wise how rich the Indians are in pitching. Because uh, two years ago, none of us were talking about Plesak. We were talking about McKinsey, and he still isn't arrived. And we, and the Indians got two more starting pitchers, like you talked about. One, Chris McKenzie, who is hurt, hasn't played this Correct. year. And they got another Akron, who's undefeated and has like a one, one point something ERA in uh, Morgan. So uh, the Indians are pitching rich. Um, but that's the name of the game. It, pitching is, is, is the name of the you, game. It keeps you, you involved. never have enough. And you never, no, you never ever, ever have enough. And, uh, never. you know, I, I happen to uh, be online and uh, a friend of mine got me in one of these uh, chats on Facebook, yeah. uh, sports chats. And, you know, the draft happened and I think half the draft, the Indians drafted pitchers. Well, you need yep. depth you need you know, at all levels. Yeah. A lot of them never make it to the, um, you know, beyond single A. Yep. But, uh, and that goes for uh, all players. Uh, but you need – and they're like, don't they ever draft a, b- a batter? I'm like, yeah, they do. They fill out a team. But yeah, They do, but well, you pitchers. never have enough pitchers. Yeah. Well, just, you just we've need, seen it. We've well, seen it. You, just pitchers. you need depth in an organization, and hopefully you land on it. And you look at what they did a few years ago with Beaver and, and Plesak and uh, – was it Plucko was in that? Plucko, yeah. I, I Plucko, mean, yeah. it's amazing, uh, that draft and how, how success it's been. So – uh, it's it's fun to watch the Indians and see them play and and uh, achieve what they have uh, you know achieved and look the season's not over it's the end of June it's a lot of baseball to be played the Indians are playing quality baseball if they continue they've been traditionally a second half team under Terry Francona if that continues and you still have like twelve games against the the Twins you know yeah. heads up so. There's a lot of baseball to play. Are we going to catch them? Let's just see if we can. Let's just see yeah. what happens. Let's, you know, we'll see what the Indians brain trust decides to do. You know, does Trevor Bauer, you know, get traded in the next three weeks? Maybe, maybe not. The Indians may say we have a better chance of, of, of uh, succeeding this year yep. and go into the offseason and look to trade him versus saying we have to trade him now. Values to trade him today because he has a year and a half left before yep. he gets free agency. However, they may be in a situation where they say we have a chance to surprise people in the postseason. You know, look at the San Francisco Giants, their last World Series, they were a wild card team. Exactly. And they won it all. Exactly. Uh, so you have to win that one game to continue on. And they have a, you know, you know, uh, they have mad. 
Matt, um, Mad Bomb. Mad Bomb, yeah, exactly. Uh, yep. Gardner. And it's phenomenal. And he led them to that World Series. I'll be quite honest with you. Trevor Bauer has that same ability. Uh, I'm not sure he'll, he'll, he will do he'll that. Reach it. Yeah. He has that ability to be that dominant. And, uh, you know, Matt Baum is, is a great player, and he may become an, a Minnesota twin by the end of the year. It uh, wouldn't shock me if the twins go after him big time from what I'm hearing. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The Indians may say the best move is to stay pat. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It just wouldn't surprise me if it does happen and possibly find another player that no one's kind of off the radar that they believe they can help him with the bat. Um, we'll see. I still think they could use one more right-handed bat on a consistent level. Uh, Jordan Lupo does a nice job as a, a situational hitter yes. this year. Traditionally, he's around a 260 hitter against both lefties and righties. This year against righties, not as good, but against lefties, he's batting over 300. So we'll just, you know, see how it works out in the second half of the season. But uh, I'm excited. I mean, I think the Indians are in good position. Uh, come Tuesday, they could be eight games out of first place and with 12-plus games against the Twins coming up. Uh, it's not a bad scenario. Yeah, it's – you know, you got eight games – left against teams below 500 before the all-star break. So once again, more time to make some headway here. Um, you know, like you talked about 12 or 13 games left against Minnesota. You know, last time you played them, you were one or two picks away from sweeping them. Yeah. You know, you beat them two out of three. Um, and if you keep, if you keep running series like these have had, have done the last month or so, you can see the, you know, the season records keep... even out as the season yeah. goes on. Uh, beginning of the season, the Twins had a very favorable schedule, as people like to say. Yes. Um, they still have a favorable schedule, from what I understand, the rest of the season. However. You still got to play the games. Still got to play the games, and same with the Indians. I'm not saying they're going to catch them. I'm just saying uh, it could be more interesting. They might put some pressure on them than more people thought. Yeah. Right now, the Twins are projected to win 96 games. The Indians around 92. Mm-hmm. We'll just wait and see how that works out. I mean, it's the end of June. It's not the end of September. So, uh, a lot of a lot of baseball to be. Yeah, played. you got to expect Minnesota. Will, you got to go on. You got to expect Minnesota will go out and make a move to sort of, you know, solidify that bullpen. That bullpen is uh, struggled. He's actually Minnesota's bullpen has been pretty good, in my opinion. It's their starters that they need to solidify. Well, their starters pitch out of their mind. That's my point. Oda Rizzi and Matt, Gibson. And, you put a Bumgarner on that team, and all of a sudden, you're talking about a guy who's been in the three World Series and, uh, you know, yep. a Cy Young Award-type pitcher. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's what they need. They need uh, someone of that caliber. Also, and, I'm, and I'm not wishing this, but you also got to expect, and we've seen it lately in the last two weeks or so, the Twins are going to have their share of injuries, and that's how they respond to that. Um Chances are you're right. Chances are you're you know, right. They've, they've lost Gonzalez. They Vox has been banged up. Uh, I believe they just lost Rosario a couple mm-hmm. days ago. So um, it's a long season. Every team goes through it. We've seen the Yankees well documented. The Indians are well documented. Uh, you know you're going to go through it sooner at some point, and maybe for the Indians' sake, they've gotten the the injury bug out of the way earlier. Uh, Clevenger is expected back 
uh, tomorrow. Um, and so hopefully, uh, think Kluber's beginning a throwing program within the month, whether people like it or not, Salazar's on a rehab start within the next month too. So, um, on the injury front, things are, things are progressing for the Indians in a positive manner. All right. Uh, give me a chance for your last thoughts and we'll wrap this one up here. Yeah. Let's just, you know, hopefully we, you got an eight game road, eight game, nine day road trip before the all-star break. Um, you, you're going to see a lot of the, you're going to see a lot of the Royals again. Uh, let's just keep winning series. You keep winning series and hopefully go into the all-star break. 11 or 12 games over 500. Uh, considering everything that's gone on, I think I think it'll be a huge success. And, you know, if I think the trade deadline is going to dictate or be dependent upon how the Indians finished out uh, the month of June and the first week or so after the All-Star break. You get the Twins for three in Cleveland on the weekend. So uh, you got a lot of meaningful games against teams ahead of you coming up. So. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I so, like you said, it's basically just wait and see what goes on, and you know, it's just, it's a lot of wait and see. The Indians can play themselves into being a buyer, or they can play themselves right into being a seller. It's all dependent upon how they play these next uh, two, two and a half weeks or so. It'll be interesting to see if they surprise the whole entire baseball world and stay pat and not do a thing. I mean, I that, would, that would be more. That would be more surprising than anything. To me. I agree. I agree. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. More surprising than interesting thought than dealing Trevor Bauer. Um, but like you said, if they feel comfortable with Plesac and Rodriguez and Savali and Plutko um, and Bieber, um, then they might deal Bauer away because Bauer will probably net you that that right-handed stick that you want that you desire that you need in this lineup uh, but then again like you and i talked about you can never have enough pitching starting or relieving um and i think the indians believe that um so we'll see it they could go out and make a move for a reliever we don't know you know we we have no idea. It's going to be really interesting to see. It all really um, depends on scenario, and there's only one trade deadline this year, so they'll be into that. if they're going to make the move, they have to make it in July. Well, yeah, you know, you're going to make it sooner. That's why I said the next two, two and a half weeks yeah. are very important. It very well could be. All right, real quickly here, I have not talked about it enough uh, this year, but the the AFL still continues. They have reached their halfway point, and the Geelong Cats are on top of the ladder. <laughs> they have 44 points. They've played 13 games. They've won 11 uh, The Magpies, my team, Collingwood Magpies, played 13 games so far. They're in second place on the ladder, 40 overall points. They are 10-3. and three. Uh, The GS Giants, uh, that is the greater uh, Sydney Giants, I believe it is. Um, anyways, they come in at three. The Eagles from the West Coast, the defending um, – Premiership winners, they are in fourth. The Crows from Adelaide are in five. And the Brisbane Lands come in at six. Adelaide uh, Power comes in at seven. Or that's Port Adelaide. And then you have the 
Uh, Fremantle Dockers at eight, and that is your top eight that make the playoffs or the finals, as they call it, which we are headed towards in the next 10 weeks. So it should be a lot of fun there. And the the Bombers from Essendon are on the outside looking in at the nine spot. And uh, a little shout-out to uh, a team that I've been following this year, paying a little attention to. They're not in great shape right now, but they're playing a lot better. And that is the Sydney Swans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sydney Swans. <laughs> yes, they are the Sydney Swans, and and I don't quite understand their um, their logo. It's a V with a swan in it. So what the V stands oh, for, the, I do not know. The V formation, the ducks flying. I have no idea. That sounds good to me. They the Swans. I don't know. Well, the Swannies, they they uh, they've played thirteen, have only won five games, but they won the last four in a row. So. Got to give them credit. Uh, I, I like the Swans for uh, two reasons. Uh, one, uh, our uh, AFL expert uh, from uh, Play On Radio, and you can check that out at playonradio.com and, uh, and on the internet on their app. That uh, is uh, Gemma Bastiani. She, uh, she's a big Swans fan, and uh, those that know me know I love uh, Jimmy – Jimmy Barnes and Cold Chisel as is uh, some great rock and roll music, and they're from Sydney area, and they've always been Swans fans. So, uh, so I kind of have a little, little, uh, little soft spot. Yeah, a little soft spot for the Swans. <laughs> they may not make it, but got to got to root for them too. So, uh, haven't talked enough about the uh, the AFL and and footy going on, but uh, that's my last uh, footy moment and last thoughts of the game, uh, Anthony. We'll talk again real soon. And my thanks to everybody out there. We're going to talk football, American football, real shortly. Matter of fact. Football uh, and shorts, baby. I tell you what, after the uh, – uh, we have obviously next week is the 4th of July. We probably we all, talk oh, either yep. later after the 4th or the following week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, Let's dive into our football season. We'll talk about that and uh, promote that and tell everybody how they can get involved on uh, Western Reserve Radio, and uh, it should be a lot of fun as uh, we uh, continue uh, high school football season. It's not that far away. We are seven weeks away. Yeah. I mean, we are seven weeks away. That's it. You know, training camp is like a month away for these kids. The end of July, they'll be going to camp. It's absolutely – it is absolutely incredible how fast it's approaching, isn't it? It does. It's amazing. Like I said, it's the first day of summer that really felt like today. Uh, we had 80 degree weather and yep. humidity, uh, and it did rain today. But uh, yeah, it did for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We got some rain in today, but um, you know, <laughs> it's northeast Ohio, like you said. Wait five minutes, anything can happen. Uh, it's right, and uh, it's uh, sunny right now. Exactly. All right, so. for Anthony and Campfield, I am Tim in Bourbon Plain, <laughs> meteorologist. We'll talk to you <laughs> soon here on Radio NBC Morning.